Well, all of us are familiar with the story of Peter Pan. He lived in Neverland, on the island of Neverland, and ran around with the Lost Boys, and, well, Tinkerbell was always around, too. And so, one, at one point in time, Peter Pan met Wendy. You remember Wendy Darling? And he invited Wendy and her brothers to join him uh, on the island of Never Never Land. And so they went, and they stayed for a period of time. And you face all the, the crazy things that you face on the island of Neverland, Captain Hook, and other things. But they decided that they wanted to go back to their home in London. And so Wendy and her brothers went back to, to London, but they said to Peter Pan, won't you come and go with us? Won't you join us and, and come back to, to London with us? But Peter Pan refused because he said he was scared they would catch him and make him a man. What we see in Peter Pan was a mischievous boy who never wanted to grow up. We can understand that. In some ways, we can sympathize with that, but we know that's not how life really works. Because everybody has to grow up. Everybody has to become an adult. But what about spiritually? Is it possible spiritually to sort of stay a kid in the faith? To sort of stay like a child in the faith? Is it possible to have a sort of spiritual Peter Pan syndrome? Well, I think this morning as we look at Ephesians 4, we'll see that God's plan for every believer is that they mature and that they grow in the faith, that they become mature and solid believers. That's God's plan for us. As we continue our series uh, looking at who we are as a church, we're going to see that God's plan for us is that we grow in Christ. Remember, our mission statement is to love God, to grow in Christ, and to tell the world about the love of Jesus. So this morning, we're going to think together about Growing in Christ, growing in Christ as an individual and growing in Christ as a church family. And what we're going to see is that spiritual maturity is much more like a symphony than a solo. We'll see that spiritual maturity is nurtured and strengthened in the midst of biblical community, in the midst of relationships. Let's look together at Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. In these scriptures, we see that the church is meant to grow in Christ. It's meant to mature in Christ. Look in verses 11 and 12. We see that God gives leaders to the churches. God God gives pastors and teachers apostles, evangelists, and what does he say the purpose is? To equip believers for ministry. So the goal is that the church, the people in the church, would be built up, would be able to minister, and the church could be strengthened as each person contributed the the special gift that, that God had given them. Now, there's some instance in which probably growth in size is, is here. In a sense, a healthy church ought to be growing. We, we ought to be reaching people. And, and we get that from the scripture as we see that 
God gave some to be apostles and some to be evangelists. And the apostles were, were kind of the cutting edge, the guys that were planning churches and that were leading and, and reaching new people. And, of course, evangelists are those who, who make their focus on sharing the gospel with people. So there's some sense in which numerical growth is, is here, and that is the usual case when a church is vibrant or healthy. People are coming to know Jesus. Lives are being changed. But also, clearly, there's growth in maturity or depth, and we see that by the use of the body metaphor, because uh, a body, uh, a little one, grows up. And so God's intent in, in using this picture of the body to describe the church is that we might mature, that we might grow. Verse 13, we, we see here that Paul says, until we all reach unity of the faith. Again, notice that this is not solo, but this is something that's happening corporately, until we all. It's the idea that within each church, believers are supposed to be helping each other grow in their faith and mature in their faith. What, what are we reaching unity in? Well, as you look there in verse 13, it says, until we all uh, attain to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God. What's the unity of the faith? That is, what does the Bible teach about what the Christian faith is? This is the core doctrine, uh, our core Christian truths, core Christian doctrines, until we're all unified around those core Christian teachings. We're not going to agree on every secondary issue, but on the core teachings of Scripture, we all ought to agree, and, and that's what you see here. The goal is that the church would be strengthened in the Word of God and in the knowledge of God, that, that the church would have a firm grasp on Christian truth. This is a very important part of growing in maturity in Christ. So we want to strive to grow in our knowledge of the Word. We want to seek to be unified around the truths of Christianity. And what's the goal? That we might reach maturity. Now notice in verse 13 that it begins by saying, until we all, and there you're thinking of individuals, until each one of us all reach unity of the faith. And then he goes on to say, until we become a mature man. Interestingly, that's singular. So what is Paul suggesting? He's saying that each one of us, as we grow in the faith individually and as we help each other grow together, that the church is meant to become like a mature man. In other words, a church is meant to grow spiritually, to become mature, not to be infantile, not to be childish in the faith. And so here you have this picture of individual growth, and we spur one another on toward deeper growth that results in a church that is solid and mature in the faith. And what's the standard here? The standard here is that we become like Jesus, and we're committed to the Word, and we become like Him in the way we act, behave, etc. Look in verse 14. We see another goal. He says we don't want to be like children in the faith. We, we don't want to be like children, easily fooled. Now, what, what exactly is Paul saying? Well, with my kiddos, most of the time, sometimes because I joke with them a lot, they are starting to suspect. But a lot of the times, I can tell them something that's completely outlandish. And they're believing me. And then I, I say, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just joking with you. But what Paul is saying is, I don't want you to be like that when it comes to the faith. When you hear something that isn't real or isn't in accord with the book, I want you to immediately be able to recognize it and not be like a child who, who's easily fooled. I want you to have a firm grasp of the word of God. I want you to know it. I want you to know the word. I don't want, please see this, brothers and sisters. It's not, I, I want the pastors to know the word and, and it's not that important for the people. No, the goal is that every single believer, that we would know the book, that, that we would be committed to the truths of the word. 
And so the goal is that we not be easily fooled. And, and Paul uses a picture of an ocean. And, and for us, how fitting right now is we see giant waves. You see the, the waves of false teaching try to sweep over us. There's false teachers that w- rise up within the church all of the time trying to lead people astray, trying to lead people away from the true gospel. There, there's, there are churches that have completely abandoned the truths of Scripture. They've lost the gospel. They, they still call themselves churches, but the gospel's gone. The truths of the, the Scripture are no longer taught. Instead, they put their finger in the wind and they say, what does everybody else say? We say it too. We're, we're with you. Paul's saying, I don't want you to be tossed around like that. I want you to know when, when the, the lady with, with big purple hair on TV says to you that, that you can know for a fact if you'll speak it and think it, you can have whatever you want. You can, you can have a mansion. You can speak that. I want you to know, Paul says. I want you to know it's not the truth. I want you to know the real gospel. So he doesn't want us to be tossed back and forth by every wind of of false teaching. He wants us to grow up into maturity where every one of us has the ears to hear, to know, you know what? That's not right. We need to have that kind of solid grasp of the word. So brothers and sisters, that's a goal for us, that we would learn the word like that. We don't want to be tricked. So Paul is painting this picture of the body and of growth and and how when we grow in Christ, how it affects the church and how it strengthens the church. Now, if you go to the store and you buy a package of tomato seeds, you plant those tomato seeds and you start watering them every day, your goal is not to have cute little tomato plants. It's not your goal if you plant tomato seeds. If you plant tomato seeds, your goal is you got a slice of tomato on your burger or some cherry tomatoes to throw in your salad. That's your goal. And what the Lord is saying here is that his goal is not that we become a believer and just sort of stay there. His goal is that our lives grow and mature and that we bear good fruit, that, that, that we bear the kind of fruit that that encourages maturity and and fruitfulness, faithfulness, those kinds of things. Verse 15, Paul says, rather than being deceived, we speak the truth. So I don't want you to be tricked. I don't want you to be deceived by all kinds of false teaching, by the things the world and the culture might throw at you. Instead of being deceived, I want you to speak the truth. Once again, if we're going to be mature in Christ, we've got to have a firm grasp of the Word of God. There's no other way around that. And there's no shortcut in getting that. The only way you get a firm grasp in the Word is to read it and study it and gather with others for that purpose. It takes effort to learn the Word, but we've got to be able to speak the truth. And we can't waffle on the truth. In our day and time, it's so easy to feel the pressure to waffle. To, to say, well, uh, I'll, I'll back up. I won't say what the scripture says because I know it's offensive. We can't waffle on the truth. We've got to be willing to speak the truth. But notice what Paul says. We've got to do it in love. So it's possible to speak the truth, but to do it in such a way that it's unloving. That is not Christian maturity. That's ungodly. So we want to speak the truth, but we want to do it in a way that reveals a love and respect for other people, even with those that we disagree So we want to speak the truth again. We see this notion. We all throughout this passage, we're seeing head and heart. Speak the truth. That's head. We got to know the word heart. We got to let the word shape us. Let and let the way we treat others reveal a life of love. 
a life in which Christ has touched us. So we need a firm grasp of the truth, and we need a tender heart toward others. Notice in verse 15 that Jesus is the head of the body. In other words, he's the authority. The church is likened to a body, but he's the head. He is the authority. And he wants us to grow up into him, becoming more like him. Verse 16, he says, from Christ, the whole body is joined together. And you get this picture, imagining a body with, with, with the bones and the muscles and, and all of the, the uh, connecting tissue and, and all of those sorts of things, ligaments, etc. You get this picture that we're being joined in a body like that, with, with Christ connecting us all together. That's what verse 16 says. And each part is meant to build itself up in love. So uh, a person, when you come to know Jesus, you have a spiritual gift, and you're meant to take that spiritual gift and invest it in a local church, in a body of believers, and strengthen the church so that the whole body matures. Now, if you remember the old mechanical-style watches or a pocket watch, um, if you think of those, now some of you have, that's just you're way too young to even think about that, right? But, but some of you remember when everyone had a watch you wound or, or, uh, uh, or you carried around a pocket watch. If in one of those mechanical watches, a part goes wrong, the mainspring, a gear, anything like that, the watch quits keeping time. It, it won't work. And a church is a little like this. We're only going to be who God has called us to be to mature in him well, when each part does its, its work, when each part uh, contributes its gift, a- and it's critical, Christ says here, Paul, Paul is saying that the church be built up, but that only happens together. Now, I know in our culture, that's really, we're not supposed to say that because each of us are our own person. We don't need anybody else to, to tell me anything or to, or to speak into my life. I do what I want. That's the, that's the mood of our culture. It is not what the New Testament teaches. The New Testament teaches that we do this together, even when that's messy. And it is sometimes because we're all sinners, because we all mess up. But Paul paints a beautiful picture of how you as a believer, can join in the church and how you can help other people mature and likewise other, others help you. So let's think of how we can apply this in our lives as individuals. First, grow deeper in Jesus. Can't get much plainer than that. Grow deeper in Jesus. Make this your goal. So as an individual, I want to do the things that are going to help me grow deeper in Jesus. I want to read the word every day. I want to pray every day. I want to be sharing the gospel with people. I want to do all those things, all the things that I do solo between me and God. I want those things to be present in my life. I need those things. So so do those things. Make it your goal to grow deeper in Jesus. Colossians 2, 6 and 7 says this, Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So here in Colossians, we get this picture of a person who's walking in Christ, whose roots are growing deep in him, who are being built up and and transformed and shaped by the Lord Jesus. We want that. Hey, what are you aiming for in life? Is it to grow deeper in Jesus? Brothers and sisters, it needs to be. We want to be changed and transformed 
by the Lord. Second, connect with other growing believers. Connect with other growing believers. So if we're going to grow in the Lord, part of it is a solo thing. We're doing these things that I just talked about on our own. But then part of it is me jumping in and allowing other people to know me. And me sharing and talking about the word with other believers. And there's a sense in which I can't grow as God intended me to grow without that element there. It just can't happen. First Thessalonians 5, 14 and 15 kind of gives us a picture of this. And in the church at Thessalonica, Paul writes, And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays evil for evil, but always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Well, what do you see? You see how our lives are supposed to be lived together and how we have responsibility for each other. This is not a a casual relationship where we barely know each other, but this is where we really are interacting with one another and striving to help each other. This biblical community is critical for maturity in Christ. It's critical. You think of a a plant that's that's been put in water, pulled up and and put in a, a glass of water. For most plants, they'll survive for a while. But ultimately, that water is not what what most plants are designed for. A plant's supposed to be rooted in rich soil. And that soil enables that plant to be strengthened and nourished. Likewise, as believers, we're not meant to be a single plant in a cup of water on our own. We're meant to be rooted and, and enrich relationships in which we're strengthened and nourished and helped along in the faith. We can do this on our own thing, but it's not, it is not the vision of the Christian faith that the New Testament presents. It's it's just not. The Lord wants us to help each other. The Lord wants us to be there for each other. So as individuals, what do we want to do? Make it your goal to grow in him. Two, connect with some other believers to help you. Let's think through as a church the way that we try to help you live this out. So there are three practical or primary ways that that we try to help you grow deeper in Jesus. First, we encourage you to team up with other believers in a smaller group. We encourage you to team up with other believers in a smaller group. So so we encourage you to come to worship like this, gather together in, in a large group where we worship and we sing to God and hopefully our hearts are stirred, that, that, that we're encouraged to love him more deeply. But then we encourage you to take the next step and the next step is connecting with a, with a smaller group of believers to study the word together, to, to share life together. Small groups are a practical way to put this into practice. Acts 5.42 gives us a good example. In the early church, we read, and every day in the temple and from house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that the Christ is Jesus. So what do you see? Right when the church was founded, they're meeting together every single day. Now, we're not asking that of you, but, but, but they were meeting every day. Their hearts were so full. They were so excited, and the, the church had just been birthed. They were gathering in the temple for worship together daily. Then they were breaking, what do we see, into homes, and they were meeting with other believers in homes. Why? Because we need to talk through and share how the the realities of the word are impacting our lives. It spurs us on. It it, it encourages us on in the faith. 
So, so how do you connect to a smaller group here? How do you jump in a smaller group here? Well, we've got a lot of groups that meet on Sunday morning at 9.30. Jump into one of those. That'd be a great place for you. If you haven't gotten connected or you haven't found a good fit, um, this Sunday, one week from today, we're, we're having a connect class. It'll meet over in the fellowship hall at 5 o'clock. And at this class... What we'll do is we'll meet together, we'll talk a little bit about how we help each other grow in the faith, and then we'll launch brand new groups uh, of the folks who come. So if you haven't really found your place yet, join us next Sunday, 5 o'clock in the Fellowship Hall. This is a chance for you to take the next step. Some of you really need to do this. Some of you really need to say, you know what, I'm going to quit just being a face in the crowd. I'm going to get to know people. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to begin to invest my life in others and allow others, even though sometimes it's scary, to invest in me. Now, it's a little bit like this. Do you know if you uh, are going to go swimming, maybe it's early in the year and you're, you're going up to the Frio River, you're going to swim a little bit. You've got two choices about how you're going to acclimate yourself uh, and prepare to, to get into that water. You can do the one toe at a time. You put the toe in, feel, ah, oh, it's so cold. Get your ankle in. Oh, this is so cold. Kind of try to take your foot and get the next foot in. Or, and this is the best way, just plunge in and get it over with. It's, it's uncomfortable, but it just lasts a moment. If you, if you do this one-at-a-time thing, you just drag out the pain, and, and you make it so difficult. But if you just plunge in, now you can swim and have fun. It's all good. In moments, you're, you're fine. And you know what? When it comes to connecting with people at church, when it comes to taking the next step, sometimes we're, we're a little too careful. Oh, I'm going to just barely take a step. Ooh, ooh, I don't know. It wasn't exactly comfortable. I'm not sure. Friends, just jump in. Just jump in. That, that, that's the best way. Just, just say, you know what? I'm going to show up and I'm going to make this work. It may be awkward. It will be probably awkward to meet new people, to kind of put myself out. Ooh, just jump in. This, this is the next step for so many of you. This is the step that, that you just haven't been willing to take, and it will be essential for your growth in Christ. It will be essential for your maturity in Christ, not just a face in a crowd. Though praise the Lord that you're here. We want to see you take that next step to grow deeper, to, to be known and, and to know others in that way. How, as a church, do we encourage you? Uh, we encourage you to, to join in a small group. Second, we encourage you to partner with one or two other believers for prayer and accountability. Let's say that you're in a small group, you're regular in a small group, you've, plung, you've taken the plunge. Hey, maybe the, the next step for you is to say to another believer who's in that group with you, another uh, men, another uh, brother in Christ or a couple of brothers in Christ, hey, why don't we meet for coffee on Tuesday morning at 6.30 and, and let's pray for each other and let's kind of try to spur one another on in the faith. Maybe we can share some areas where we're struggling, where we're kind of not adding up. Uh, where our lives, our Christian lives are not adding up. So this could be the next step for you. We call these life transformation groups. This is where we try to really, really know each other and to really help each other. One or two other uh, brothers or sisters in the faith, same, same gender uh, in the faith, praying together and encouraging one another to, to walk with the Lord. It's an essential tool in growing in Christ. It's also very important and sort of our responsibility to counsel one another and to exhort one another, to help each other through sin and through hardship and, and difficulty. It's kind of like this. If you're trying to glue something with several parts, how helpful is it? 
to have another pair of hands. It's immensely helpful. You've got several things you're, oh, another pair of hands, that makes all the difference. And often in our lives, in the midst of the discouraging and depressing times, or the midst of times where we're finding ourselves struggling with some sin, we don't want to be open about that. We don't want to advertise that and say, hey, I'm struggling with this. But oh, how helpful it would be, brothers and sisters, with just another pair of hands who could say, you know what, I'm with you. I'm praying for you. You're not in this alone. Oh, think of the difference it can make. This is the biblical picture of Christianity, these kinds of things. And the third way that we encourage you to to grow deeper is we offer opportunities for discipleship training, opportunities to, to study the Bible a little more in depth, either through the book of the Bible or a particular topic uh, on uh, this semester, we've got a couple of women's Bible uh, studies, discipleship groups going on. You can, you can study the book of Genesis on Tuesday morning or on Tuesday evening. You can study more about the core truths of the Christian faith. On Sunday evenings, currently, we're going through a study of Job, and, and we're having an opportunity to think through suffering and the challenges of suffering in light of, uh, of God. And soon we're going to begin a study about creation. And we'll be thinking through the difficult issues of creation and evolution and those kinds of things. So we give you opportunities to, to try to study a little more in depth. So, so those, are, those are ways. Connect to a small group. Everybody needs to do that. Connect to a live transformation group where you get with another believer or so. Incredibly important. And then discipleship opportunities, giving you chances to learn more. Uvalde is known for its giant live oaks, right? Kind of a trademark of Uvalde. You think of uh, this town. Originally, if I understand right, it was named Encino, which in Spanish is, is oak. Or This town is known for these beautiful, giant live oak trees. And these trees, in many ways, are marks of stability. They're, they're in a sense, they're a testimony of security and tenure. These mature trees... They provide shade. They provide refuge. We can see a little sapling growing, and and that's a good thing. But if we have a choice between a little sapling or a giant mature oak, we're going to say, you know what, that tree is awesome. That's a picture of, of, of stability and strength. Brothers and sisters, this is who we are supposed to be as believers. Every one of us will begin as a sapling. There will be a point in time when we come to know Jesus and we'll be brand new in him. We'll be like this tiny little sapling, but God doesn't want you to stay there. God wants you to grow and to become this mighty, mature tree in him, not for your own glory, but as a testimony of of his handiwork, a testimony of how he transforms lives. And so I ask you today, what is your life more like when it comes to, to your spirituality, a sapling, or is it like one of these beautiful, magnificent live oaks? You see, when a believer becomes a mature believer, it provides shade and refuge to those who are around. A dad who loves the Lord and who's mature in his faith, he's a shade and a refuge for his wife and his kids. He's a blessing to the people who work for him or to the people that he works for and to his neighbors. Why? Because he's matured in Christ to the point that his word means something. That he looks for opportunities to do good. That he looks for opportunities to bless others. Because when Christ is at work in our lives, this is the kind of maturity he brings. What are you? Are you that mature tree that provides refuge and shade 
And you see, as a church, this is the church that God has called us to be, not to be a sapling, which, which every church starts somewhere, new churches and such, but a church is meant to grow and to mature so that, so that the, the, the church is like a giant tree in the community that provides a knowledge of how to know God, that kind of eternal security that provides a refuge for those who are struggling and hurting, a place where they can find grace and support and love. The church is meant to be a grand and beautiful, mature people for the good of others and for the glory of God. So let's be that strong, mature church. If we're going to be this kind of church, if this passage tells us anything, we're only going to be that kind of church if we do it together. If we link arms, we grasp hands together and say, God, we are moving forward. We are going to be the church that you've called us to be. So believer, take the next step. What is the next step for you? Is it that you haven't yet connected into a smaller group? I think the Lord's saying that to you. That, that's the next step for you. Maybe you've got a situation where, where it really is time to just take that, that step and and. And join with another brother or sister for prayer and for accountability. Or maybe you need to jump in and, and begin some of these discipleship training opportunities that, that are going on on Sunday night or Tuesday morning, Tuesday evening. Whatever the Lord's calling you to do as a, as a believer, I want to encourage you not to stay a sapling, but to take the next step. Not to try to play Peter Pan spiritually, but to say, Lord, by your grace, I want to grow up and I want to become the man that provides shade and refuge for those who are around him. I want to become that woman, that man, that young woman, that young man. If you're not here, if you're, you're here today and you're not a believer, there's never been a time in your life where you put your faith and your trust in Jesus. You, you obviously can't mature in Christ. Why? Because you've got to first know him. You've got you to be born in him. And so you can't mature until you have been saved, until you have come to know Jesus. And so, I, I want to challenge you, if you're here today and you've never put your faith and your trust in Jesus, today you could call out to him and you could be saved. You could, you could be, the Bible calls it, you could be born again. You could be born in Christ. Well, how do you do that? You come to the place in your life where you say to God, I've been doing things my own way. Like, like I do what I want, God, but I'm, I'm done with that. God, I want to do what you say. I, I am surrendering, God. What you say, that's where, what I want. What you want me to do, that's what I want to do. And if you're at that place, friend, I want you to know God is calling you. He's saying to you, come, be born again. How, how do you do that? You call out to him in faith and say, God, I surrender. Please forgive me. I believe Jesus came and died and rose again, and I want to follow him. The Bible says that if you call out to God like that, he'll save you, he'll hold you, and you'll be like a sapling in the faith. And you can begin the process of growing and maturing in Christ. And God will use you in great ways for his glory. You'll be a blessing to people as you mature in Christ. Won't you come? Now, I know some of you are saying, you know what, I've heard this before, and one of these days, preacher, I'm gonna go there. One of these days, I'm gonna do that, but not yet. But friend, I want you to know something. You may be counting on time that you don't have. I could die this afternoon. You could too. We may not have tomorrow. And you're counting on tomorrow. You're, you're counting on tomorrow. Friend, you may not have it. 
Friend, today you could, you could be saved. You could know Jesus eternally. What on earth and what in all eternity could be better? Nothing, friend, nothing at all. Won't you come? In just a moment, we'll stand and sing. And when we do, I want to urge you to come. I'll be here. Others will be here. We would love to talk with you more about how you can know Jesus. Don't leave here today sensing the move of God in your heart and saying no. Friend, please don't do that. Let's pray together.